All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. Uh, the recording talked to us, so <laughs> that's why we were so shocked. We are so blessed to be able to join each other this Sunday afternoon, evening for Janelle. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. How, thoughts about the play-in tournament. Uh, Janelle has her thoughts about Golden State in Memphis. Tara has her thoughts about an upset win that her Blazers pulled off in the first game at Denver. And then I have my thoughts about the big three playing together finally first time in the playoffs. We're going to start with Britt first about her thoughts about the plan. Britt, take it away. Yeah, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Well, at least the Western Conference ones. The Eastern Conference, they were all blowouts. Um, I think it, it was like 21, 18, and 21 were the margins of victory on, in the um, Eastern Conference teams. But the Western Conference ones were really enjoyable. Um, although, Janelle, I don't know if you feel so um, enthused about the um, about the Western Conference ones. But, yeah, so – when it came to the, you know, the first game, I, I'm not going to really talk about the Eastern Conference ones. You know, that sort of happened as it is. The Wizards, you know, they were able to pull it out after losing the first game. Um, and, you know, they actually have been, they were pretty competitive during the, um, their first po- um, postseason game, um, earlier this afternoon at the time of recording. Um, but, uh, that happened in the East and then in the West, the first game got some of the highest ratings since the 2019 playoffs, um, the Warriors versus the Lakers. Um, LeBron, um, a day after he was, um, having a, um, alcohol related, um, PR event, he got that last minute shot and it was, I guess, more or less enjoyable. Um, and then, you know, for the final game, I'm going to skip the other Western Conference play-in, um, but the final game versus the Warriors in Memphis, that was a really fun and enjoyable game, um, you know, for most of us. But I, I feel like overall, the play-in tournament, there needs to be some changes made. I, I feel like there's not as much um, – I feel like the amount of time that was given between the play-in games and the start of the playoffs was a little bit too short, and it didn't necessarily support all the teams that were in the play-in games, but it did provide the entertainment value, plus it, um, you know, sort of forced teams to actually play well towards the end of the season and not just the top eight of each conference, but, you know, all the way down to the 11th and 12th uh, place teams in each conference had to try to, you know, we're trying to get into the play-in game. And then the play-in games were actually pretty enjoyable other than the blowouts. So it was fun. Uh, I don't know what else, um, do you, uh, what are you all thinking about the play-in tournament um, now that we have seen it and see it um, transpire? Well, I think that the play-in tournament um, and even, even before, you know, my team was in it up, I was kind of skeptical and I'm still skeptical because, you know, it kind of reward those who haven't really taken care of business in the regular season. If you're taking care of business in the regular season, then you, you get one of those top eight seeds. And, you know, as far as the Warriors Memphis goes, I mean, you know, the Warriors only have themselves to blame. They, they shouldn't even be in that, in that position. And, 
the only reason why the Lakers were in that position is because of all the injuries and such. This this uh, particular situation was probably uh, out there, I would say. But as far as the game goes, I mean, you know, <clears throat> it was what it was. They were eventually going to, the Warriors were eventually going to run out of gas with eight, eight and seven people in the lineup. You know, we just didn't think it, they would run out against Memphis. And with all those turnovers, they got themselves to blame. But my ire is with the front office, and I'll be on their asses in maybe an article or two. I was really thinking about you, Janelle, and about how earlier in the season you were talking about um, them not chasing wins. Like they weren't, they weren't just going for wins, like just win the game. And you just wanted them to just like win the yes. game, just do what you need to win the game. See what they, what they were and, doing, which was trying to toe the line, trying to develop Wiseman and to remain semi-competitive so they could get those picks. This is what the front office wanted all along. And what they've done was a sin. You know, you you don't waste a, a season of stuff like they did. This kind of reminds me of what the Lakers did to Kobe back in 06. I, I think it was 06, I believe. Yeah, kind of like that. But, you mean yeah. You mean before they got um, Paul Gasol? Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes. That's that's what I think about it. And, you know, you know, you, you, just, you just don't cheat the game. And that's what they tried to do, I believe. And, you know, the front office have to really make, up, make it up to Steph and Draymond, for that matter, for that. And the athletics, Marcus Thompson had an article out think maybe about a couple of days ago calling out the front office he set the tone if i get an opportunity i'll follow i'll follow his need <laughs> yeah i've i've wondering i've been wondering about like what sort of like undercurrent rumors about like like steph's reaction to this because he seems like a really like a company guy like if that's the direction that the warriors are going he's not going to like speak against them it but i am you know not a close follower steph, of the team so like what has his reaction been steph, at the end of the year steph kind of does stuff suddenly and you really have to pay attention to what he says because he won't be as outright and demonstrative like draymond but with steph you always have to read between the lines and you know he's he's the type of guy that don't want to rock the boat and you know just want to be everything to be cool but sometimes you got to do it and that's what he should do. Does but he have? I mean, Got to read between the lines. Does he have somebody in the media that he talks to that, like in Portland, there's just an assumption, and I don't know if it's right or not. Yes, but like, but Chris Haynes, like if he says something, we all figure that you know Damian Lillard or his camp said it. Does Steph have somebody like that? No, not re not really. You know, people would assume that it would be Marcus because Marcus write about him a lot, but mm -hmm. that's not really it. Yeah, I don't think he really got anybody like that. Not not that strong enough of a presence because he don't really care about such. I mean, he pay attention to what's going on, especially in social media or whatever, but he don't really have 
that presence in the media the the kind of re- relay things and to relay some sort of agenda. Mm-hmm. So aside from the, you know, your, your team, unfortunately being eliminated, I'm curious what folks think about, like, did the, ter- did the tournament itself like peak, uh, make the end of the season, regular season more interesting in general? You can't, you can say that because of the circumstances, but, you know, what about next year? I, you know, I really don't believe you'll, you'll see something like that next year, like, like a Lakers and Warriors matchup to really drive those ratings. It'll kind, that, that kind of peaked maybe. And it might be a, a sharp drop off, might, might have jumped a sharp to me. And again, you know, you you do what you have to do in the regular season, and that and that's all you can do, and and that's how it should should be and supposed to be. If the league is trying to um, keep teams from tanking, why not find some of these teams that's trying to tank? You know what I mean. And also, what is wrong with just having the top sixteen teams, irrespective of conference? I think they was trying to do that too. There's no need for gimmicks. And I, and I don't understand, you know, why the, why the playing and why this mid-season tournament for what? And it just don't make any sense to me. It, the league doesn't need gimmicks for it to be interesting. But isn't like the WNBA doing something like that, but they no, got, the teams got money on the line? Yeah, they're doing the Commissioner's Cup, which I think yeah. is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, because you know, a lot of players are going, are getting suspended by their teams, of course, because they're playing three on three. So they just had the three on three championship yesterday. And then they're, I think I have to look at the eligibility requirements to come back, but you know, they're going to play the Olympics in the middle of the season. You know, they have that Olympic break. Oh. And then they come back and they compete for the commissioner's cup. I believe that's how it works. I have to look at it and see. Um, then they come back and compete for the commissioner's cup. I like how the WNBA does it. The top eight teams go. And whoever the top 80 is, that's who the top 80 is. Now, granted, they only have 12 teams, which I think expansion is coming. I think I like that for the NBA. Top 16. So if you don't have a top 16 record, you're not, you're not going to the playoffs. I think that would make it more competitive and more intriguing for me personally. But Janelle, I think the reason why the play-in tournament became a big deal, A, I have a little conspiracy. I think they wanted the Pelicans to get in because they wanted to have a Zion effect in the playoffs. That's one thing. They gave them the easiest schedule in the bubble last year, and they folded. The Pelicans folded again this season. B, I have another little conspiracy. I think, because, you know, ESPN was forcing Zion Zion upon us this season as well. I think they had 14 games on ESPN. I think something like that. And Memphis got (laughs) maybe three or four, if that. I think they wanted to see, I wanted to prove, now this is just me spitballing here, that Zion is better than Ja, in a, in a way, because they wanted to give Zion rookie of the year so bad <laughs> last year. They wanted to give it That's to the him. hope, but. Yeah. And that playing tournament, that it was, it was just pathetic. I, I just don't understand. That playing tournament this season, I think they want to save face because a lot of people, Yes, we want the season to start back, but it felt a little rushed to me. The season starting back felt a little rushed. 
They gave it 72 games. Okay. No preseason. Okay. Uh, training camp was at a minimal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were wanting the season so bad. And I think the NBA was kind of like, they forced their hand. Okay. What can we do to make this season interesting? And then injuries happen. And you're like, uh oh. Because I don't think the Lakers would be a seven seed if they didn't have injuries. I, I don't think that. Um, I don't think Boston would be as bad as they were if they didn't have injuries and COVID related issues. So when you, when you look at that, the NBA wanted to do something to add a splash to it. You know what I mean? Add something, some new flavor. And this playing tournament was that. Now I enjoyed it because I like college sports. So I like that one, you lose once you're done. If you're a nine or 10 seed, if you're the seven, eight seed, you get another chance. I thoroughly enjoyed those playing games. The Eastern Conference just, it's the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference, though, the San Antonio and Memphis game was really good. And, of course, Lakers-Warriors was really good. And then you got uh, Memphis and Golden State again, you know, again, because they just played them on Sunday. That was good. And Ja rose to the occasion, and people got to really see Ja Morant, which I think was great. And a lot, a lot of people don't get to see him because they don't show him enough, even though they should. They don't show the Memphis Grizzlies. So you get to see teams that you don't normally get to see. I like that type of exposure, and I like the one and done. So I I was a fan of it. Now, will they continue to do it? I'm not sure. It might stay because of the ratings were so high, and I think the NBA suffered in ratings this season. I think they did. Now, Britt probably can pull up the numbers and (laughs) figure that out, but a lot of people said they don't feel like watching the NBA, A, because of injuries, and B, COVID. And see, it's not as entertaining um, because the players, some players felt like they wanted to play some nights. Some nights it was like, oh, no, low management, you know, just a lot going on. So I think that playing tournament helped the NBA uh, more than it harmed it this season. I don't know whether or not it's me, but, you know, this season was just kind of weird. I mean, and I'm talking about for from my perspective, it, it's, it was rushed, but once we were in it, didn't it seem to be like a drag, you know, kind of dragging along the, which part again? Just the season in general. I I mean, I think the season is just long. Yeah. Period, which is a different conversation, but I, I, I don't think that sort of, negated what happened during the play-in tournament i mean right, I, I'm, I'm not just i'm not just um trying to negate what what, what happened with the plan but just in general mm-hmm. yeah i mean i feel like you know for like i'm fine with the 82 game season um and you know the 72, 72 game season that happened this season um i i think it is what it is it will change or it will not change eventually um the concern that i have is just how the nba will continue to manage to get people to support it if it's still 82 games um, and that grind because of the lack of attention that a lot of people have these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the NBA, like I, I think the NBA right now is trying to say like, Hey, we're not going to change the 82 game season because they have a TV contract. And until that TV contract can change, then they can't go lower than 72 games because then they would have to return money. So 
I think folks should, like, if they really want the league to reduce the number of games, um, which I'm sort of, like, half passionate about, but I know a lot of people are a lot more um, wanting that to happen. They should, you know, sort of do that towards the, when they actually have the TV contract conversation, because then they can build it into the contract and not have this sort of penalty if they go below a certain amount of games. When are they having that conversation? Is it uh, the CBA? When they have the CBA negotiations? No, so the CBA conversation is different than the TV contract. So the TV contract timeline, I, I think it's like within a year or two of when the CBA, I, I'll have to do a little bit of searching um, on when the TV contract renewal date is. I'll do that right now as we're talking. I have another aspect of the play-in tournament as somebody who my team, you know, was on the cusp of it for a really long time. And I was actually, I was sure that the Blazers were going to be uh, in there playing the Grizzlies. Uh, but one of the things I thought was really interesting about it is people wanting to stay out of it. I thought made the last week really interesting because there were a lot of teams who were playing to stay out of that. And I, I thought that we had more teams playing harder farther into until the end of their season did you all think that as well yeah no I definitely thought they were playing or at least the teams that were still um in contention so everything other than like the bottom four teams were you know playing hard Um, I mean I guess the Clippers which may be biting them um purposely lost games towards the end of the season so that they could get to the current seed and now that could be an issue as they play Dallas but I felt like all of them were you know being as competitive as possible even the you know the Pelicans who were just like pretty bad starting the season off and then they just couldn't catch up towards the end um but yeah I mean I feel like that the addition of the, you know, having more teams be a part of the play-in, um, potentially being the play-in, um, and also just the number of teams that were close to being, um, you know, in, towards that 10 spot was important. And I think one of the things, Janelle, uh, I think you were mentioning that, you know, this may have jumped the shark because the first game was the Lakers and the Warriors, or at least the one game that wasn't a blowout was the Lakers and the Warriors. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the biggest thing is that unlike the first round of the playoffs most years, um, if the play-in tournament is similar to what's happening now, then the teams are going to be relatively, you know, close when it comes to the standings. So it's not like, you know, unless they change it that the um, seventh and tenth seed go against, um, you know, go against each other, and then the seven eight or the or what I'm saying, the seventh and tenth, and then the nine and eight go against each other. But either way, they're a lot closer in the ability in their ability level, um, sort of speak compared to, um, other teams who may be playing in those playing, uh, playing in actual playoffs, at least in the first round. Um, so I feel like, you know, it may not top the Warriors and the Lakers unless they play again, but I feel like there still will be, you know, interest because people like that, you know, one game elimination format. I mean, the NCAA tournament happens every year and a lot of the teams, you know, in the first few rounds still get ratings, even though they're relatively, you know, no name teams. So I I don't know, but um, 
the other thing too is that the uh TV contract expires in the 2024-2025 season. Oh, okay. I thought it was soon. I thought it was like maybe next next season or the season after next or something like that. So the CBA expires after the um 2022-2023 season. Oh, okay. So that is You know that soon. Oh, uh, you know you saw the the promo for the playoffs with the playing teams on it, and they left the Spurs out of the promo. And then Twitter bullied bullied ESPN, and they finally put them in the new promo. So <laughs> that Spurs and Memphis um, series did did numbers as well. That that Spurs and Memphis uh, game did good numbers as well. Um, I really enjoyed watching that game. It looked like the Grizzlies were gonna blow the Spurs out. You know, I'm a Spurs fan. It looked like they're going to blow them out the water. And I said, uh-oh, come on, Spurs, figure it out. And the Spurs went on like a 17-0 run. I was like, yes! You know, and then you know, Memphis ended up winning by like five points or something like that. So those two Western Conference games that we had, what was that, on Friday? Was that Friday? Which one? Who well, knows what day anything happened. It was Tuesday. Anymore. No, it was Wednesday. Was Wednesday, it Wednesday? Friday. Okay, it was Wednesday. So those two Western Conference games we had on Wednesday did numbers far better than the Eastern Conference, which doesn't surprise me. Um, I think people want to see Memphis play, and I think people want to see what the Spurs could do. And then, of course, you followed it up with LeBron and Steph, and they gave us a great game as well. Um, does anybody have any other thoughts about the playing tournament before we move on to our next topic? Yeah, um, real quick, I think that when it came to the Eastern Conference, they were just blowouts from the start. I think yeah, you're, you know, as – blowouts as they were then they probably would have gotten you know maybe not the same um numbers as LA or the Golden State Warriors games but I think it would have gotten at least similar numbers to the Memphis and San Antonio game yeah it was just ugly it it was the Eastern Conference was was ugly but um hopefully next year it'll be better hopefully it'll be better next year uh speaking of next season now, we know that Golden State season has come to an end, and we know that our dear friend, our dear sister Janelle, has thoughts on that. First of all, before you get into that, how did you feel about the Golden State Laker game? And then I want you to tell me how you felt about the Spurs in Golden State. I mean, excuse me, Memphis in Golden State. And then overall, what did you, what do you think about this season? If you can just sum that up for me. Okay. I thought both playing tournaments were good and they were hard fought. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like the Warriors have have really left it all out there against the Lakers and really didn't have anything else for uh, Memphis, and it showed. And these are games that, of course, that they should have won. 41 turnovers between those two games are are inexcusable. And what's really bad is that, you know, some, some of them were because of the defenses trapping and double and tripling team and staff. And you, you kind of have to really, you know, roll with those, but the, the careless ones is what hurts the most. And it's been like that ever since they've been, you know, even when they were winning championships or whatnot, but it's, it's still inexcusable. And eventually with eight, to rotation and even at the in the Phoenix game, not Phoenix, damn, uh Memphis game, seven, they ended up with seven with a uh, to rotation. It was gonna eventually catch up with them. So 
it is what it is. Had they won, um, the the attrition would have been worse. So it's whatever. But as far as the season goes, again, this is why, this is the reason why that you play to win. No matter what, you just play to win. You don't try to trick off games and trying to develop, you know, rookies and stuff. When you have two players in Steph and Draymond in their prime and wanting to win, you, you know, you, you can't do one that you can't do two things at one time as, as far as that goes. And it's just a shame that the Warriors picked developing Wiseman over, you know, con, con, really competing and winning in the first half of the season. And I really believe if Steph hadn't gone nuclear and with the, with his scoring rampages, the Warriors probably, the front office probably would have been cool with tanking. And I believe also this is the ideal situation with them. So this, this was like a glorified tank and, and it's disgusting. And, and again, I, I, it's, they ought to be ashamed. They ought to be embarrassed for what they did. And it's, and it's also a shame that not too many people in the, in the media are calling down on it. Trust and believe if I get the opportunity, I'm I'm going at it. I'm on their helmets, and rightfully so. And by what what they did, do you specifically mean playing Wiseman so much at the beginning before he got injured and waiting until like he was gone and then letting Steph like take over? Is that is that your fundamental uh Yeah, that's my fundamental thing. Yes, it's it's fundamental yeah, that's my fundamental reasons but when you think about it that was the only true big that they had so they kind of had to throw him into the fire but but as far as tried to make him that much of a priority over Steph and over Draymond that's where my issue was and like what Marcus Thompson said in his piece they underestimated Steph and Draymond they they really believed that they couldn't do it because of age or injury or whatever the case may be. And that was insulting. And now they they have they have an opportunity with those picks. And you know, with the track record, you know, when Jerry uh, since Jerry West left, I, I don't trust him with that with that either. And you know, it is is it's easy to assume that youth you know, kindly wins, but it's it's not it's not just youth. You have to have vets to win. Youth youth won't won't help you win that much, especially with all these one and dones and whatever. So this is what the Warriors wanted, and all I can say is that they better choose wisely and use those picks wisely. How many are they going to end up with? I don't know. Do they have more than their own? Okay, they have their own because they're not in the playoffs, and I think that will be 14th. But the Minnesota pick, if that holds up, you know, if if they are like out of the top three, I believe, and they concede that to the Warriors, and that will be kind of like sixth or seventh. 
So the best case scenario for them is them having the seventh and the fourteenth pick. So it's possible they may get two. They definitely have their own, but they may yeah. also have two. Yes. And and so they're looking at the future. You know, it's interesting to me because I'm wondering what all y'all think about this. For the last couple of years, there's been, you know, talk about stars, you know, getting older. Their window is closing. They're 30. Oh, my gosh. Acting like 30 was like the end of it. I see a lot of guys 30 and over just performing their hearts out <laughs> and not dropping off like they used to. Like, I, I kind of feel like the and window's they- bigger. <laughs> Than it used to be. And, and the thing about that is what people don't realize is that these, these guys invest and in, invest in their bodies. They put in the work to make sure they can hold up. And, you know, with modern science, it, it's not like what it used to be, especially even with injuries, you know? So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that, you know, what, what Steph done, what Westbrook done, what KD has done coming back from injury. I mean, you know, these guys put in the work, even LeBron, he puts in the work to take care of his body. So their bodies are taking care of them and it's showing on the court every night. Take care of your body and it'll take care of you. I sound like a P90X. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bottle it up and sell it, Janelle, see if we can make some money. How about it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've had P- uh, P90X, you know, the, the beach body program. I, I think on one of those um, exercises, Tony Horton said that. Take yeah. care of your body and they'll take care of you. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of health, speaking of healthy bodies, I want to dive into what I saw from the healthy Brooklyn Nets against the Celtics. I, you know what? Katie struggled. Kyrie struggled, James Harden struggled. And Jason Tatum struggled in the second half. Kimball Walker struggled. The Nets won. I think the scariest thing about the Nets is that they still had all three guys pretty much struggle. Kyrie got going there in the second half. Kevin Durant got going a little bit in the second half. But to their standards, they struggled. Because, you know, Kyrie's 50-40-90 club. Kevin Durant's on the cusp of it. And James Harden's had a pretty solid year. People say James Harden looked fat, but James Harden always looks fat one week and skinny the next. I don't know what his diet plan is, but I, I just, I don't understand it. But anyway, the Brooklyn Nets struggled. They were down to the Celtics at half and people were like, oh goodness. Oh my goodness. And then the second half, you just kind of saw what the Nets could be, you know, when they're hitting shots. Now, isn't really surprising because remember, Harden, uh, Kyrie, and KD, you know, haven't played together that much. No, they haven't. But Kevin Durant was missing easy shots in the first. Like, shots he usually makes, fellow short little mid-range jumpers, they were bouncing out. And I'm like, that's not Kevin Durant. But in the second half, in the second half, he started to really show, okay, I'm Kevin Durant. And then Kyrie got going. Um, James Harden didn't really get going, but he really didn't need to. But the bright spot for the Celtics was Robert Williams with nine blocks. I think it's a franchise playoff record. Uh, move over Bill Russell. It's a franchise <laughs> uh, player uh, record for blocks in a playoff game. So he had that. He was doing all that with a turf toe. You know, Robert Williams is dealing with a turf toe. So that was the bright spot for the Celtics. And I'll say this. If Robert Williams didn't, wasn't going to play, because he was questionable going in, 
if he didn't play that game, Celtics get blown out because his his defense on the back end really saved the Celtics some points. Let me tell you that much right now because Tatum, the second half, he just disappeared. And that's what I, I have a problem with Tatum when he does that. Sometimes he takes too long to get going. Sometimes he'll get going and it'll just be like, okay, where are you? Kemba's just been inconsistent all season long. I don't know if it's injury, confidence. I don't know what it is, but Kemba not being confident doesn't seem right to me. He's from New York. He exudes confidence. You know what I mean? He's just he's just a confident guy. So I don't know where Kemba's game went. I think think it is a combination of injury and confidence issues stemming from the injury. Remember, he he didn't get back into the lineup until January. And yeah. he's still struggling with with the with that and trying to get comfortable. And I really want to see Kimba at his best because I'm a huge Kimba Walker fan. I've been a Kimba Walker fan since his days in UConn. So I want to see him do great. Um, Aaron Smith was a bright spot for the Celtics off the bench. Marcus Smart does what Marcus Smart does, but I really like what Robert Williams brought to the table for them. Tristan Thompson, he played okay. Um, but the Celtics just don't have enough scoring to deal with the Nets. And even though they had that first half lead, the Nets eventually kind of just took over that game. Um, if, if, if any of you ladies watched the game, do you have any thoughts about the big three playing together? What are your thoughts about them reuniting and playing together in the playoffs? Yeah, I thought they actually, I mean, I think the Celtics are probably the best first round series that the Nets could have because even though the, you know, the Celtics aren't going to be super competitive versus the Nets, they'll give them enough, you know, sort of ability to get prepared for the rest of the um, postseason that it will be a positive thing. Um, the other thing, too, that is sort of unusual about what's going on right now when it comes to the Nets is what, you know, uh, what both Janelle and Amber, you were saying that they both, you know, they haven't been together as a big three other than a few games, um, you know, and I guess most of the most recent games are just the ones towards the end of the season um, with James Harden being out for extended period of time because of his hamstring. And then when Harden was traded to the Nets, Kyrie was having his vacation slash, you know, whatever that period was to avoid um, getting a health and safety protocol, um, you know, suspension because of what he, um, because of the birthday party he went to. So, I think that they're fine and that the Nets were probably the best opponent for them in the first round. The one thing that's sort of sad about the, uh, or not the Nets, the Celtics, the sad thing about the Celtics is that if Jalen Brown was out there, I think it would be a much more competitive series. They just don't have the firepower at this point. And it may be a sweep. I feel like probably the only, the best game that the Celtics could have had to, you know, get at least a game versus the Nets was probably game one so now it's probably going to be a sweep but it, it's just unfortunate that they just don't have the bodies at this point to be competitive versus the Nets but it's good for the Nets because then they'll have a relatively good se- series and be able to feel each other out and get better as time progresses 
Yeah, they could completely prove me wrong, but I have a really hard time watching Boston right now because I just feel bad for just the hand that they've been dealt this season between the injuries and the effects of being sick with COVID. It's just, it's, I mean, it's got to be just hard to overcome that. And, you know, they're NBA players, so they are going to be, you know, um, giving it their all. I just, I feel like they're, um, you know, they're just there for the Nets to practice on right now. And like I said, they could totally prove me wrong. Um, and the other thing about the Nets is, and I, I, I did watch the game and I usually think that a really important, uh, piece for playoff teams is cohesion and having been through <laughs> stuff together. And the Nets haven't like as that particular group been through stuff together, but I also feel like They've got so much important experience that that might sort of make the, you know, going through the fire together a little bit less important than it would be for other teams like the Utah Jazz. Like right now, I feel like the Utah Jazz are poised because of, you know, the years that they've uh, worked to get here, whereas the Brooklyn Nets just sort of like magically came together. Um, but I hope I hope Boston can prove me wrong, but it's it seems like a very, very steep road for them. Well, here's what I'm wondering. And, you know, the Nets with all of that firepower on offense, you know, who can really push them? Who in the East that can really push them? What do, what do you guys think? I feel like Philadelphia just um, because of the strength, you know, because I, I feel like the, the Brooklyn Nets – they're the people on their team are at this point in their careers getting by a lot on finesse and, you know, their tricky moves and, and, uh, experience. And I feel like a team led by Joel Embiid and, um, you know, is just very, very strong and not afraid to be physical and use their bodies. What do y'all think? I'm thinking the same too. It seemed like Philadelphia is, is more of a complete team as opposed to just saying like Milwaukee or, you know, Miami or, or whatever the case may be. I, I saw their game with the Wizards and against the Wizards and they were, were solid. Tobias Harris went off from like 33. Now I wouldn't say that that would be, cons be there consistently, but you know, that that's an option. You know, Ben Simmons is, a, is awesome on defense and, you know, they, they could seem like they they could push, they could push uh, Brooklyn, push them more than what I would say Milwaukee can, or anybody. I have, yeah, I have Miami. They have Miami Heat uh, upsetting the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. Again, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Again. Again, Jimmy struggled uh, yesterday, and they still went to OT. So. I just don't trust Milwaukee. People say they're a different team with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton mm -hmm. hit the game winning shot. I just cannot trust the Bucks. No. I don't trust the Bucks because I just don't. I, I don't because I think there are better one-two punches in the East than Chris Middleton and Giannis. <laughs> then you know, but that's just my opinion. I think Philly is the team. If anybody's going to push the Brooklyn Nets, which they won't see each other till the Eastern Conference Finals, it will be Philly. Now, here's the thing with Philly. The Wizards played them pretty well today. Um, does that say a lot about the Wizards? Or does it say a lot about Philly? We we don't know. 
But in order for Philly to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and to have a chance at the NBA Finals, Ben Simmons has to be aggressive on offense. Yep. Because Tobias Harris is not going to give you 30 every night. Joel Embiid can, but Tobias Harris is not going to give you 30 every single night. Tobias Harris can give you 20 every night. I trust Tobias to do that. But if Ben Simmons is not aggressive on the offensive end, they are not beating the Brooklyn Nets. Because guess who's going to be aggressive on the offensive end for Brooklyn Nets? All three of their stars are going to be aggressive on offense. So you have to combat that because you're not going to be able to stop Brooklyn on offense necessarily. You might They might have a bad shoot night like they did the other day. They had a bad shoot night, and they still won that game. Now, granted, Philly's a better opponent than um, the Celtics. But if Ben Simmons is not aggressive on offense, Philly cannot win a championship. And that's just what it is. I know Doc Rivers said Ben Simmons did a lot for us today. Yeah, you're playing against the Washington Wizards that just have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. You're not playing against the Brooklyn Nets. You know what I mean? So, or even the Miami Heat or the Bucks, whomever. I mean, excuse me, uh, the Atlanta Hawks or the New York Knicks, whoever gets that, gets out of that series. Um, I just think he needs to be more aggressive for Philly to win a championship. But for me, it ha- it will be Philly. It, it just has to be Philly because I don't trust the Bucks, and I don't have the Bucks beat Miami anyway. If they beat Miami, great. If they beat Miami, that's that's just fabulous. But I don't see the Nets going out in the second round against the Bucks or Miami. So mm. it has to be Philly for me. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Philly um, as well. I, but I, I I don't think Miami is going to upset the Bucks again. Um, it seems like they're a little bit more tougher compared to last year. Not to say I don't think that the Bucks are going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals by any means. I think they're out by the second round, but I, I feel at least that this Miami team, like they brought in Victor Old Depot and he's out for the season, however long, you know, for the postseason, however long in the regular season next year. I think that, you know, similar to the, they're going to be more competitive than the Celtics, but similar to the Celtics, they may not have the bodies to sort of, you know, get to the Bucks. And that series is going to be rough. I mean, you, I watched that entire game. It was just like folks falling on the ground and it wasn't um the flop variety either. It was just hard hits um and hard, you know, screens and all this other stuff. So I think the Bucks at least will go to the second round. Um, but the Sixers, I feel like they're, you know, their core has been around for a lot longer, um, together, you know, at least two seasons at this point. And they seem as though they're, you know, at least grown from the last few seasons. Um, so I, I think it's really the Nets and the Sixers for the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, all the other teams. It'd be interesting how they compete against them, but, um, you know, we'll see. I'll just say that I think that the, I think that Jeru Holiday was a big, uh, addition. I think he's changed things a lot in Milwaukee. And, um, so I do think that they're going to be able to beat Miami. I do not know if they're going to be able to beat Brooklyn, but I think he provides, um, you know, the Bucks have always been, good on defense but drew holiday just like 
to me, when, when I watch them, I see him as somebody who's just brought them all together and um, made them more of a cohesive unit than they felt like in past years. So, and this could be just like leftover from the Pelicans sweeping the Blazers a few years ago, and I'll never recover from watching Drew Holiday just like destroy our team. But I do think that he's a fantastic addition for Milwaukee and can get them past uh, Miami this time, unless Jimmy taps into some heroic narrative. When when he decides because he's got he's got a story to tell to take the team, I think there's nothing stopping him. But I also think that Miami looks like they're pretty tired already. Yeah. Another thing too is that I was looking at some of the stats for that game for some reason, and PJ Tucker he actually um, went against Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler was zero and six versus Tucker. For some reason, he was out towards the end of the game. Um. For the game one, um, they didn't put him back in after like the end of the third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter for some reason. But if they're going to have Tucker on um, Jimmy Butler, um, he's just as tough. Well, I think tougher than Drew Holiday. Um, and I think that sort of makes the difference because last season, even though, you know, the Bucks were always a good defensive team, I, I don't think they had that grit to them. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's like a subjective matter, but they didn't have that like sort of je ne sais quoi, so to speak, to sort of go beyond what they did. Um, and adding Tucker and adding Drew Holiday, I, I think that's going to help them at least get past the first round. I don't know if they'll do anything else beyond that, but I, I think they'll be at least good enough um, as long as Giannis, because he had like an arm injury towards the end of that game too. So I think it depends on him being healthy as well. I want Milwaukee to be great. I, I really do. I, I really am cheering for them to be great because if Bud they're to make the Eastern Conference Finals, they already said he's going to be gone. And then Giannis resigns. I like small market teams, you know. Okay, he's a small market team, so I got love for small market teams. I just want Milwaukee to prove me wrong, right? I, I just really need them to prove prove me wrong. And I pick Miami until they prove otherwise. If they beat Miami, okay. Yes, you did it, Milwaukee. You you got the hump. It doesn't necessarily mean that Bud Budenholzer, um, excuse me, Mike Budenholzer, outcoached uh, Spo. Um, it just means that you won that series. Congratulations. So, <laughs> I want to be happy for for Milwaukee. I really do. I have love for small market teams, but it's just something about them I just cannot trust just yet. Maybe because I haven't seen it. Maybe it was because of last year, which was crazy circumstances. This year is the same thing. But I want them to prove me wrong. So I hope you guys are right. I really do. I stick with my pick with Miami. I'm not going to waver. But <laughs> I want I want to be right. I mean, I want you guys to be right because I want to see Giannis do well since he did sign that $200 million plus dollar extension with Milwaukee. They probably have a quote from simply me underscore AV on the wall in the Bucks locker room. I don't trust the Bucks, period. Yeah. I, just, I, mean, I think the I only like, thing that Bud, um, Coach Boonhauser, if he, you know, if they lose in the second round is if they go to seven versus the Nets. And then they, you know, potentially lose like in a last minute shot. But I, I think he does have to get at least to the Eastern Conference Finals this season in order to keep his job. 
Yeah, because you, you as a small market team, it's hard to get a Giannis, right? It's it's hard to have a guy like that on your team and keep him, nonetheless, right? So, you know, Damon CJ in Portland, what a what a blessing. Okay, okay, he just got lucky in the draft and got James Harden, uh, Serge Ibaka. We got great players in the draft. KD, Russell Westbrook. We got lucky in the draft. I don't know how the heck that happened. I don't know if that will ever happen again, honestly. Small market team, right? And now you see what OKC is doing, full-blown rebuild mode. Of the Warriors, Janelle, would you consider the Warriors a small market team or would you consider them a bigger market? I'll consider them a bigger market. Okay, okay. But you guys got lucky in the draft too, right? You got you guys got lucky. You got Steph and Clay and Draymond. And it yeah. just kind of just worked. It just worked. So it doesn't happen very often. So for Miami to get Giannis, right, for them to have Giannis and to be able to build around that type of piece, um, who's number one pick in that draft? Anthony Bennett? Was he number one pick in Giannis' draft? Was that the Bennett draft? I think so. Well, I think so. Okay. Keep talking. And, we'll look it up. Okay. And you get Giannis. I think he went mid first. Either he went mid first or he was right below the lottery. I'm not quite sure. He was mid first. So wasn't he like the 15th pick? Yeah. So it was after lottery. Yeah, so right. he was, um, that was the Anthony Bennett draft. Bennett draft, okay. So, yes, my memory serves me correctly. And you get Giannis, and you can't get to an NBA Finals with Giannis, but he resigns, right, and gives you a chance to say, okay, I trust the organization to build around me. That is very rare. That's very rare, right? And he's probably going to lose his coach. So now you have to find a coach that, he and Giannis see eye to eye on Giannis's vision. Because Giannis didn't resign to go to Eastern Conference Finals. Giannis didn't resign to have the best record in the league. Giannis resigned to have a chance to win an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. If not, he could have went to Miami. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, people were projecting. So, in order to keep Giannis happy, they're going to have to build around him. I don't know if this team right now, currently constructed, can win an NBA Finals. Maybe in the first round they can win, but I don't see them beating Brooklyn because Brooklyn just has too much firepower, in my opinion, in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just sort of iffy when it comes to the Bucks, but I, I feel like this entire playoff season or playoff period is just going to be really – based on fluky coincidences, there's so many teams that have a lack of bodies because of injuries or because of COVID that it's going to, I mean, it can take one or two players being out because of um, safety protocols or health and safety protocols to completely affect the outcome of a series. So even though like the Bucks, you know, I don't feel like they're going to win a championship and I felt like that way for the last several years. I, I feel like they have an opportunity at least a little bit more than the previous seasons. Um, so um, we'll see how it goes. All right. Speaking of small market teams, Tara, you're up next to brag about your Blazers. How did you feel about that win they had against Denver last night? 
I don't even know how to talk about this team anymore. This team, <laughs> this, this year has been so nutty and I have gotten so, um, caught up in like whatever the latest Twitter narrative that sometimes I think I'm losing sight of the forest for the trees. Um, the Blazers have had a good record this whole season, even when they went on a losing streak, even when they were struggling so hard at home, they still like kept their head above water while Nurkic and CJ were out. And then like they do every single year. And I don't know why I was surprised by this every single year. They come charging up uh behind Damian Lillard to finish out the season strong. And right now they have their health knock on wood. Um, and they have this thing that's working really well between Dame CJ and Norman Powell and, uh, like the trade for Gary Trent to me looks like a really smart move. And, uh, so even though Norm is new and has only been with the team for a while, he has, um, been playing well. And then when they played against Denver, I mean, be honest, Denver is down a major player on their roster. They don't have Jamal Murray. So I'm going to like try not to let like, I, I don't want that to like take away from the win of the trailblazers, but some years things go in your favor and you better be able to take advantage of it. And, you know, I think that Damian Lillard is capable of taking advantage of it. I think they're capable at least of winning this first round and it's been a while since, I mean, I guess the, you know, maybe the OKC series that felt evenly matched, but they feel, you know, we felt like very confident again, going into that, uh, uh, Pelicans matchup several years ago. And then I think we're just all suffering and we're just, we haven't gotten over <laughs> getting destroyed in that uh, uneven matchup. So yeah, right now the Blazers won game one. They did everything that they needed to do. Nurkic looked great. And um there's like kind of two, there's two measures for the Blazers, or not really measures, but there's two things that if they happen, the Blazers will win. And that is that Good, like the best version of Nurkic shows up. Nurkic who's engaged both on offense or on defense and offense because he does struggle to score. So if Nurkic shows up on both defense and offense, and if Melo scores more than 18 points, the Blazers win. <laughs> like that's just how it's been this season. And both of those things happen. And I, you know, the way things pencil out on paper, it looks like really possible that they could. Both those things could happen for four games out of the seven game series. So I just am afraid to say anything too, too much because I don't want to, you know, jinx anything, I guess. <laughs> well, for me personally, I'm happy that Melo put up numbers in Denver while getting booed. I, I'm, I'm loving that. You guys know I'm, I've been in love with Carmel Anthony since his Oak Hill days. So. I am happy that Melo put up the numbers in the first quarter. He set the tone. And then after that, you had a dose of Damon CJ. And then Melo sprinkled in a little bit. Nurk came through and did pretty well. Then Rocco did his thing. So I'm happy for the, I had the Blazers win this series in six or seven anyway. I'm happy they stole a game from Denver. The thing about Denver though, I think the joke only had one assist and that is very rare. Um, very, very, very rare. And Michael Porter Jr. came to play. Uh, I'm happy to see Michael Porter Jr. 
getting his foot footing underneath him after he had that back injury in college. Now in the NBA, he's really showing you that he can be a solid number two for Denver because the Joker is the number one. And they are missing Jamal Murray. But I think that Michael Porter Jr. has been the second best player all season anyway. And Jamal Murray would just add some extra spice to it, right? Mm-hmm. He was hot from the bubble, got injured, and that was very unfortunate. But Denver had some bright spots, but I'm really impressed what I saw from Portland. I watched that whole game last night as well. Um, I just wanted to see if Dane and CJ could pull it off. I was like, okay, Denver will make a little run. And then CJ hit a shot or Damon hit a shot. And then Denver will make another little run. And then Dame just had a run on his own in the third quarter. So I was very happy to see that. I want to ask you all about something. Uh, Portland fans, inexplicably to me, are still divided on Melo. And he's one of the guys that I was talking about in terms of age who is still performing, in my opinion, at a high level. Last night, Mello ended the night. Uh, I think he was uh, 6-12 from the field. He was 4-8 of eight from 3. At least that was like towards the very end of the game when I looked at the end, towards the end of the game. So he was like 50%. He scored 18 points. Blazers won. There was a point where Mello missed three three-pointers in a row and my Twitter feed, pull him, get him out of there, get Mello off the floor, you know. And I just, like, I can't understand why Mello doesn't get an inch, you know. I mean, he is still performing at a high level. He can still, you know, back somebody down and get a shot. So he missed three three-pointers in a row. Like, is that something, like, if you had a player on your team who missed three three-pointers in a row, is that, like, does that, I, I'm like such a mellow fan that it seems, you know, if you miss three, three pointers in a row, like you should get a, you should still be out there shooting because you're mellow. But is that unrealistic? I mean, I think that's just the normal thing that fans do during a postseason or just a game in general on Twitter. Like folks just overreact. Um, I mean, I have certain thoughts about mellow, but you know, since he's been in Portland, he has, you know, taken on the six-man role. I mean, in fact, he got, you know, he's one of the finalists for six-man of the year, uh, if I recall correctly. So um, I just feel like when it comes to, you know, playoff basketball, especially people are going to overreact during games. If someone isn't playing that well, it feels like, you know, if they're not taken out right now, it's going to, you know, affect the rest of the series. But to be honest, it's game one. There'll be adjustments, you know, Mello come out and do whatever. Um, the rest of Portland will do whatever. And, you know, the Denver will make adjustments and try to fi- figure out what's going on before it's way too late. Um, one game is not going to be enough to take Mello out. Like if it continues and he has an extended streak, which he probably won't, then that's probably a different conversation to have. Like in game three or game four, he's having these issues. But game one is just, um, as Janelle said, a fill out game for all teams. People shouldn't be overreacting, but they're going to do it anyway because it's Twitter. Yeah, I just like, I guess I just think, you know, how, how much of a streak does, does he, is he allowed compared to what other players are allowed? And I've, I've also been thinking about, you know, um, there's a lot of talk. So Sots has been playing a pretty much an eight man rotation for the last couple of weeks. Like since the Blazers have started winning, 
it's pretty much been the five starters plus uh Cantor and uh Mello and Anthony Simons and that's pretty much it unless there was a blowout so solid eight man rotation and so Cantor and Mello come on two guys not known for defense right <laughs> they come on but they've uh been successful during this whole stint i think probably because their offense you know outweighs their defense but I, you know, but, but everybody like freaks out, like you can't have Mello and Cantor playing together. Well, Cal, you know, Mello and Cantor have been playing together this whole time. And the other option is, well, then do you want to start Mello and have Robert Covington come off the bench? Like, I don't know. Like if you don't want to play Mello and Cantor together, like your, your options are, are limited. So I don't know. That's just something that to me, it makes me, it, it's like he, brings so much to this particular team. So I know that he wasn't like a, the right fit for Houston and he wasn't a different place, you know, in his career trajectory when he was in Houston, but for Portland and for where this team is and for what he's providing for this team, it's just like a luxury to have a superstar, you know, he's in the top 10 all time scorers. He knows what he's doing and he's, his body is still in good shape and he can still keep up. I just, I, it boggles my mind that people who are fans of this team would, uh, be critical of, of him. That boggles. I think you just have to look more. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Jenna. I'm sorry. Um, it boggles my mind too because, um, just seeing how Carmelo has embraced embraced that role in Portland, and you know it it just suits him. And for him to be criticized like that, I mean, I I personally haven't had didn't have no idea what it was like that Tara. I, I think Britt is probably you know right. It's like the heat of the moment or whatever. It's just that I can't. Like even the people in the media, when they talk about him, it's always like, oh yeah, Mello was great. But, and this is like, just stop with Mello was great last night. Like, I don't, I don't know why we have to pick everything apart. And I don't know, this is kind of a different topic, but I wondered to know, like when you were writing your piece on Westbrook, you were kind of talking about ways that different people react to him and his career and, you know, who Westbrook is yes so i don't know if you could shed any light on what you picked up from writing that um what i picked up from writing that i mean you know i knew that russell was a complex figure and someone that was polarizing but you know i never knew why you know from the outside looking in you know people have their perceptions of what a superstar is supposed to be and you know russell don't fit that if russell is for for better or worse, you know, all business. You know, he he doesn't really cater to what that mainstream media thinks a superstar should be, and he's being damned for that. And and plus being damned for his triple doubles. This is for better or worse. That is how Russell impacts the game. He's not a shooter, but he does have he's have had athleticism, and he uses that to put his teams in better positions. And, you know, for, for better or worse, that is, that is him. And it's like that with Carmelo. Um, I don't, I don't get the negativity 
about that from him. I, I mean, about him. You know, especially now at, at at the telling of his career. I mean, he has been, you know, accommodating. He was accommodating in Houston. He got you booed know? in Denver last night. And and, I, and that and that really ticked me off too. But I would say he wasn't really accommodating in Houston because he wouldn't take that role. But I think him being out for an extended period of time and no team picking him up was, I guess, sort of forced him to make that, you know, career decision um, to, you know, take a more six-man role, which is great for him. Like, I don't think that anyone should blame him um, per se for what happened in Houston. Um, and I don't think the Rockets should be blamed so much about it. Like it was just at the time Carmelo felt like he would be best serving as a starter and the Rockets didn't see that. Um, I, but didn't, it, I didn't know that. I thought that was the case in Oklahoma city as well. I, no, I mean, I, I didn't follow so much what happened with OKC. Maybe Amber can give details on that. But when it came to the Rockets, it was really like he wanted to be a starter. He was, you know, he was still shooting okay to well, but he was just a really bad defensive. Like he was even worse than I feel like he is in Portland these days when it comes to his, his defense. Like he was really bad on defense. And I think that the Rockets system was not – the best thing for him when it came to his defensive abilities. He wasn't able to cover himself. Um, like I feel like Portland, when he's coming off the bench, he doesn't have to worry so much about the defense because he's there just to, you know, more or less kick start, start the offense and be that, you know, sort of, um, or I guess that um, shooter that he is known for. But the Rockets were looking for a little bit more than that. And then when they realized, like, hey, he would be more better as a six-man role, he wasn't in that, you know, mindset. And I think that, you know, that's completely fair of him to have that sort of thought process. Like, I don't want to do this right now. I'm going to see if there's other avenues where I could be a starter. And he wasn't able to find that. And then eventually he went over to Portland with the understanding that he needed to, you know, take a backseat role and be that six-man contributor. And he's, you know, taken off. But I, I feel like the last few years when talking about Mello in Houston, like, you know, a lot of it's coming from Mello and a lot of it is sort of like a um, – I don't want to be mean about it, but I feel like Melo has a perspective that isn't necessarily the case that what actually happened, like it was probably closer to, they just had a disagreement about things, but then because of all the other things that the Rockets were having, and then eventually all the other drama, it just seemed like, oh, the Rockets were just throwing him under the bus when that really wasn't the case. If you, if folks were actually watching games, but a lot of people don't watch games, but anyway, I don't, uh, I feel like I ramble on about that situation. I, I'm happy that Melo's doing what he's doing now in Portland. I think he has a really good position. And ultimately, when it comes to Portland fans, it, at least on Twitter, people are in the heat of the moment. So they're going to be like, hey, if this player isn't playing up to what their thought process is at that particular time, they're going to be upset. But if you talk to them afterwards and they see that, hey, he shot 50% from the floor and just had a short streak of having, you know, missing a um, three shots, then it doesn't matter so much. But in the heat of the moment, people are going to complain about it. I yeah, just didn't think he fit. Yeah, I didn't think he fit with Houston. I didn't. I didn't like that at all. 
And honestly, I didn't think he fit with OKC, but I was an OKC fan. I'm a Melo fan, so I rocked with it. Um, I think that year and a half or two years off, however long he was off, really helped him define who he was as a player, who he is now as a player. And that was probably the best thing that ever happened to him. I think eventually he's going to come out and say, hey, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, he told me he was in, now he didn't tell me, but he told us he was embarrassed because he couldn't go to his son's games because people were probably figuring out, how does Jared Dudley have a spot on the roster and Melo doesn't? You know what I mean? You could probably look down a roster, NBA roster, and figure out why certain players have spots on rosters, but Melo doesn't. And you go from being the guy to being a role player essentially off the bench. That's an ego hit. And for some somebody like Melo, I understand why he felt the way he felt. Now, OKC and Houston were good fits. Okay, cool. Uh, New York, we, want, we know what happened in New York. Um, the Phil Jackson, James Dolan, that situation just went sour at the wrong time. I don't understand what happened in New York, but he was – Melo in New York was something to see. Uh, that was the last time the Knicks made the playoffs besides this season. But it just didn't work in New York because of Phil. And James Dolan, I believe, you get rid of Mike Woodson. He did a great job in New York. You get rid of him. Why? Um, and then you trade Melo. And it just became a whole fiasco. But I am so happy that he's having his resurrection here in, there in Portland. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he can bow out gracefully in Portland. I think Portland needs to resign him for another year. I know he signed a one-year deal this year, if I'm speaking correctly. I think he needs to sign again one last season and just, you know, ride into the sunset in Portland because I really think he fits in with Damon CJ very well. And that's the other thing about him is he's doing all this on a veteran's minimum. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> anyway, this house is a very pro mellow house. I'll just say that. Mellow won a lot of games for you guys. <laughs> I mean, he's really played very well. When CJ was out with that foot, he stepped up. He he was basically Dame's number two. I mean, he was essentially Dame's number two on a more consistent basis. Now, um, Ennis Cancer had his moments. Rocco had some moments. But I think Melo was really Dame's number two that he can trust. Okay, I know he can give me at least 15 a game on a consistent basis with CJ out. And Portland stayed afloat. Portland, Portland stayed afloat. And then, you know, that schedule got a little tough, but they still stayed out of the playing game. And I was very happy about that. What was really amazing, I thought, was uh, that as soon as they start, because they really struggled at home. They couldn't win at home, especially in the second half. And then as soon as they got fans back in the building, even though it was a very small number of fans, um, they just lit up and they, I think they, we, they, Portland, and Portland was one of the last arenas to get fans back in there. So I think that actually made a big difference to them. Also, Tara, you talked about the Gary Trent Jr. trade. I think it worked out for both parties because Gary Trent Jr. was balling in Toronto. I think Gary Trent kind of reminds me of Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant, we saw what he did with Denver last year. We saw what he did with Detroit this season, right? I think it was time for him to go in order for him to grow. And he's blossomed into, he's going to be a pretty good player 
for the Toronto Raptors if they decide to keep him in Fred Van Fleet at backcourt because I think Cal Lowry is gone. I think either he goes home to Philly. I think he goes home to Philly. I'm just going to call that right now. But that's what happened with the Lakers and Brandon Ingram as well. Brandon Ingram was coming along when that LeBron had that groin injury. And then, boom, he goes to the Pelicans. And he just, boom, he's scoring 25 a game. And I think it was a great thing that Gary Trent Jr. is now, he can become that second or third option in Toronto, maybe second, depends on what Pascal Siakam gives you every night, uh, Fred Van Fleet as well. So he can take more shots in Toronto. He can take more shots because you don't have a Dame and CJ. So I like that a lot for Gary Trent Jr., that he was able to move on to Toronto. And if they decide to keep him, that'd be great. If they don't, he's going to get a bag. I think Norman Powell's going to get paid as well. If Portland decides to keep him, not, we don't know. But I think it was great for those two players. Yeah, I, I know we're kind of going kind of long, so I'll just wrap it up with my Portland r- report by saying that uh Portland, that Gary Trent Jr. Norman Powell trade was the most loving filled <laughs> trade I've ever experienced because Toronto loved Norm so much and they are taking such good care of Gary and Portland loves Norm and we loved Gary and we were so happy that he was going to Toronto where he would have uh, a chance to really shine. And it just seems like that doesn't happen very often where both teams were so like, take good care of our guy, take good care of our guy. We'll take care of your guy. We'll take care of your guy. It just seems like sometimes that doesn't always happen. And that was pretty fun to watch. It's beautiful, isn't it? When business can work out, it's beautiful. It doesn't happen very often, but. Not often at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's beautiful. Well, ladies, are there any final thoughts before we get out of here this evening or afternoon, wherever you are? Um, I feel like LeBron should have been in suspended at a game. But we don't have to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good closing thought. I, I concur. I agree. I went on a little rant about it on uh, my show yes last night, so I agree with that. Treat him like you treat everybody else, but you know the business. It's the business of the NBA. There was no way that Adam Silver was going to pull that trigger. Um, there were a lot of memes going on on Twitter too about how LeBron was not going to get suspended. Obviously, the meme was had had a choir and, a, and the lady was singing, no, and it was just hilarious. So <laughs> I got a good laugh from Twitter off of that. But um, that's it for Step Back Sisterhood. Hopefully, we'll be back, what, the week after next or next week? How do you, how do you ladies want to do it? Well, next week is Memorial Day, isn't it? Yeah. Again? Okay. So are we taking next week off or are we coming back or how y'all want to do that? I'm cool with whatever y'all want to do. I mean, the games will still be played, so why don't we come back next week? Okay, we'll be, we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. And I, I know I have a WNBA guest. I'm going to get that WNBA guest, but the season's going on right now, so it's a little a little difficult. But I'll work on that, and we'll keep you guys updated. Uh, we're going to go down the line, and everybody's going to tell you whether you can follow them. And then I'm going to tell you where you can follow me and also the page. So, Britt, go ahead and start us off. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm posting a little bit more again at Britt Robatista. Britt, do you have a, a WNBA team that you're cheering for? Nope. Nope. Um, RIP. Still, hu- still hurting. 
yeah she's still hurting she's still hurting it's okay Britt. it's okay who's next me yeah go ahead no okay you can find me on twitter at janelle 12 and uh, on instagram as writer diva oh, I, sometimes i post and sometimes i don't but you could also find my work at uh carolina blitz uh complex sports and the shadow league and basketball news um do you have a wmba team that you cheer for janelle i don't i don't have a team specifically um i'm just trying to um figure it out you know like to watch more and observe before i commit myself to to a team specifically and I will just add that everybody should check out if they haven't already your piece on Russell Westbrook because it was really awesome. And that was in basketball news, right? Yeah, that was at basketball news. And I, I was actually surprised with the reception it, it got. I mean, you know what? I, I did a good job, but you know, I, I wanted to get like Stephen Adams perspective on them and you know, some pa- uh, former teammates and I didn't get to do that. And I'm just, I'm just glad that it worked out. If you ever talk to Stephen Adams, I would like to be there, please. <laughs> I'll hold the microphone for you while you do the interview. How's that? <laughs> um, okay. You can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs and you can also find me on, on the We Have a Take podcast and that We Have a Take is on at We Have a Take. And, um, I have a new team, which is why I was asking everybody because I am proud to announce that I am the newest Chicago Sky fan. So. I'm yes. excited about that. They, okay. Unfortunately, they did not win today, but yes. um, I like that. I like that team. Thank you, Tara, because I'm a Sky fan too. Well, I have three teams I have to cheer for for player purposes: the Indiana Fever because of Daniel Robinson. They got their first win today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, DT. So the Phoenix Mercury and their social team is amazing, by the way. So I just want to throw that out there. And then the Chicago Sky because of Candace Parker and her ankle looks nasty. Uh, I saw a picture of it on Twitter. So those are my teams. Those are my teams. And you can follow me at simply me underscore AV on Twitter only. And then I run the social account for, um, at Step Back Sisters on Twitter. Janelle, were you going to say something? Sorry. Uh-uh. Okay. Okay. I was just making sure. All right, we gave you guys our WBA teams. We're going to try to bring Brittany back in the fold. We're going to try to bring you back in, Britt. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Maybe when expansion happens and Houston can get another team, we can we can do that for you. Um, but for Britt, Tara, Amber, and Janelle, we will see you guys next week.